Hello there, and welcome back to the Mean Mind Podcast. I'm your host, Shawnee B., and our guest today is Sean Cochran for the Prospecting Series. Welcome to the show, Sean. Hi, nice to be here. So you grew up in Hood River. You left for a little bit, did yep. some schooling, came back to Hood River. Now you're working here. Um, you're a hunter. You're a dad. You live up in D, is that correct? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, in that in that area, and so I guess we can just jump right into it. Um, my first question is how what what are the biggest ways that Hood River has changed for the better in your lifetime? Um, I'd say there's a lot more good places to eat that wouldn't be here. <laughs> I'll believe that. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, with a larger population, you get. Uh, more conveniences, right? There's more stores that wouldn't be here, more more places to eat. I mean, for a small town, we got, you know, Thai food and, you know, so a couple the, options. So kind of in quantity and just like scale, it's more urbanized. There's a little bit more going on as far as like a normal city is concerned. Yep. What about in terms of like, are there any qualitative changes in terms of like the schools or the recreation or the like the city or any any stuff like that that comes to mind or is it i think for some people yes uh for most of the stuff i do it's probably more of a negative right uh the things i enjoy are, are revolve around peace and quiet and less people mostly so more people more more busyness you know um yeah but as far as obviously like there's mountain biking trails here that weren't here when i was you know growing up and uh, tons of access for windsurfing and all that kind of stuff. So, so yes and no, uh, just not for me, but for others, uh, but definitely. Yeah. I think that it's always easy to find, well, maybe not always, but in this case, it's easier to find the negatives. That's why I <laughs> framed it with positives because it's like, yeah, we could go on and on. Um, what about in terms of the things that you like to do, even if they're not in hood river, how is, how have those things changed? Are there like you're a hunter or they're mm -hmm. less, are there less uh, population of the animals you like to hunt or are the regulations changing or has anything changed there? Yeah, I would say on from the hunting standpoint or even fishing, um, most definitely the regulations have changed. I would say I know a lot of people that have kind of quit the sports uh, because just the confusion, right? Like you got a whole book of regulations. And so if you want to go fishing on the Columbia versus the Hood River versus the creek, like every little body of water has its own regs now used to be kind of like, hey, it's trout fishing season and you could just go fish. Uh, and, and the hunting rigs are, are fairly similar. So just a lot of extra complexity. You know, you got to be on top of it and pay, pay more attention. Um, uh, as far as animals, like I think the fishing is still really good most of the time. Um, the hunting is definitely not what it has been historically. Uh, I feel like I travel a lot more, you know, even, even into my 30s, you know, so seven, eight, years ago like i could go out and shoot an elk almost every year with my bow if i really tried and nowadays man it's i mean i've went seasons and not seen an elk uh, which is kind of wild but uh yeah it's just different for sure do you attribute what do you attribute that change in elk population to do you have any idea yeah i mean i i believe it's uh less predator ma predator management it's part of it um you know we've got higher populations of bears co uh, coyotes wolves cougars throughout the state and all those things have to eat um we have higher populations yeah so the only only animals that are above the uh um expected or or uh desired populations in oregon are all predators <laughs> they're also the least likely to be hunted by it by most hunters uh many hunters don't think bear tastes good you know most people don't eat dogs um, cougars, they, they banned dog hunting, so it's really hard to get on them. Mm. But you were also saying that most people don't hunt dogs. You're talking about wild dogs? Uh, don't eat. So most people or, wouldn't eat a coyote, right? Or, okay, uh, or a yeah. Wolf. When you say dog, you mean... Yeah. Yeah, sorry. A, a wild. Yeah, can, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. Um, and, and most hunters like to eat what they kill, like, right? So, um, it's always been less, but... There used to be more trappers, um, that kind of stuff. So, uh. hmm. So, 
I'm just trying to re like you we covered a lot of ground there. And for some basically like so you're thinking that people aren't wanting to hunt predators, but has that changed cuz there was always people never wanted to hunt predators, right? That's not necessarily true, but I do think there are less people who hunt predators than they used to. Right? Like, I think it was maybe more common, even 20 years ago, I knew more people that used to trap uh, for fur, mm. uh, including predators. Um, you know, and, and then, you know, as there's less uh, ranchers and, and urban, you know, uh, different, different populations come in and, and do different things, right? Um, you know, so a lot of the areas where people may have used to do that kind of stuff traditionally have changed, not just in Hanover, but elsewhere. Um, and, uh, do you think that's kind of a, a cultural, like, like political thing where people are, are changing what is okay. So they aren't trapping and they aren't like, is that, is that what you're getting at with like things are changing and people aren't, I would say, yeah, the, you know, um, culturally throughout the whole country, but within the state and absolutely in Hood River uh, over the last, you know, 15 to 20 years, there's been tons of changes that way, I think. So you feel like politically, you feel like Hood River's changed a lot in the past 15, 20 years? Oh, yeah, absolutely. All those damn windsurfers? <laughs> well, it's just people that aren't from here, right? Um, you know what you know, and you know from where you came from or what you did, right? So if you didn't grow up doing this kind of stuff, then obviously you wouldn't know much about it. Mm. Yeah, so... So that would be one change that's not necessarily good or bad, but Hood River's gotten less country, yep. more urban, kind of what you were yeah. saying with, but on a cultural level, not only on a development level. Yep. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, when I was in high school, we'd take our guns and go up hunting on Post Canyon. Well, nowadays, that would be right. probably sketchy, right? You'd get a free uh, free Airbnb for that one, right? Uh, I don't know. That's actually debatable. It's just you definitely get a lot of dirty looks and people not happy with you. Oh really? Yeah. Oh okay. It's it's all public land still. So, um, now if you accidentally did something bad, then then yes, most definitely, and you would deserve it. <laughs> huh. So up in Post Canyon, it's just kind of culturally and socially hard to deal with because there are bikers. Yeah. It's just from a hunter's perspective, who's trying to be responsible. It's a difficult place to navigate. It's a challenging place to to safely go enjoy your sport, right? Yeah. Um. You got pe- more people, so the animals are more worry and, you know, different stuff, right? Mm. On top of that, yeah, just uh, added concerns for safety. Mm. Um, so so is it, like, would you ever these days consider hunting in Hood River, or is it just completely oh, off, I do out of the year. question? No. no, I do. I mean, I don't hunt Post Canyon anymore, but uh, absolutely, I hunt within Hood River County every year. Okay. Yep. And what what do you hunt for in Hood River <clears throat> County? Deer? Um, deer, bear, uh, elk some years. Uh, I did this year a little bit. Um, those are the main things. Coyotes, uh, ground squirrels, stuff like that. Hmm. Grouse, quite a bit of bird hunting. The squirrel tastes good? Um, so silver gray squirrel tastes good. The, the squirrels that I mainly hunt are just rodents, so they're pests. Mm. Those aren't for eating. Those aren't for eating. Mm. <laughs> you probably could, <laughs> but that's not why you hunt them. Sure. Hmm. So it sounds like the populations have changed, which has made your sport different. The culture has changed, which has affected your sport, as well as the regulations have changed. And have those actually, have as the content of the regulations changed, or is it? more so like i think you were mentioning the other day now it's all on your phone for like licenses yeah like is it is it the actual regulations changed or just how you interface with them has gotten more difficult both uh and i wouldn't necessarily it's more difficult it's just you know um especially older people a lot of them don't want to deal with a, a smartphone let alone having to figure out how to put their credit card in and you know buy their stuff or whatever right i mean most of us, I think, take that for granted, but there's a lot of people in the, in the older generations that don't appreciate doing things that way, right? Sure. Um, and those are the people that are more frustrated and less likely to keep up with all the regulation changes. So, mm. um, yeah, I would say there's more regulations. Um, how effective the additional regs are, I, I don't always know, but 
Uh, there's definitely more of them than there were before. And are they? I assume more regulation mean like means. I mean, pretty much has to mean more restriction. Do you think that also comes from the kind of general? Like, I guess is the first question: Is that a state level or is that yeah. a county level? Um, so the way they do the hunting regulations are by units, which are kind of like counties. Um, so different areas within the state will have different regulations or different bag limits or different, you know, animals that can be taken there or not. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, a so it's not, it's, so who, who is like, who does the hunting regulation, but like, I guess it's fish and game, right? Department of Fish and Wildlife. Yeah. That's federal. Uh, no, that's state. Oh, it is state. State by state. Yep. Okay. So, but then instead of breaking it down by county, for some reason, they break it down by some other region. Yep. Regional units. Which is probably, the, are those regions more relevant to the fish and game as opposed to just having arbitrary county lines that split some region that's very similar? In some cases, they may be kind of relevant to terrain or animals that live in that unit, but mostly no. They're just kind of... I don't completely understand the reason they broke them up the way they do. Right? Huh. Um, do they ever share county lines? Sometimes, yeah. Like uh, there, there's a the Hood unit specifically. The line runs down Eagle Creek, kind of toward Mount Hood, um, and then uh, down 35. So in that case, yes, mostly, but not not always by any means. Hmm. So do you feel like the regulations that Fish and Game has, the changes that they've made have been more on this, like, uh, I guess we'll just call them, like, urban cultures? Like, I'm I'm trying to avoid the left-right because yeah, yeah. I know we've talked about it a lot and we kind of, we think it's, like, polarizing. Mm -hmm. But, like, basically we're suggesting that there's there's been more of an urbanization. Do you think that these regulations go along with a similar change like that or is it a different uh different driver that's causing those changes at the at the fishing game level i want to say most of those changes come on a combination of public input um and, and a large part of that public is not obviously involved in the sport uh as well as there's just bureaucracy right it's a government agency uh they have you know funding requirements and all these other things that go along with it, right? And I feel like often in our government, no matter which side you're on, people want to make changes. <laughs> they feel like they have to do something and show productivity. And sometimes those changes are good, and sometimes they're just a change. <laughs> and if they don't affect most people, then maybe it wouldn't even be known, right? Sure. Do we even get to vote on fish and game like regulations, or like do we get to affect them in other any way other than just sending a letter or whatever? Uh, not that I'm aware of, no. So they do uh, occasionally have, I think at least annually, but maybe on specific topics, kind of like open houses, like the Dalles. They have one every so often that I think they call it the screen shop or something like that, but it's one of the ODF&W uh, locations. And uh, so I've been to meetings there, you know, where they bring up a topic or whatever, you know. Um, and do you, are those pretty, is it, does it feel like you're talking to humans or does it feel like you're talking to a bureaucratic At that level, entity? it's pretty good. Uh, usually it's like the game biologist for the region um, and maybe one other ODF and a W official, um, you know, and usually they're, hey, we're thinking about making this change to regulations or whatever. What do you guys think? Looking for public input, right? Um, hmm. So those are pretty good. I've been to a couple down in Salem as well at the Capitol. And uh, those were on, oops, <laughs> those were on probably uh, uh, more, uh, what's the right way to say this, um, challenging um, topics. Uh, like the, the one that I can think of off the top of my head was um, a discussion about bringing dogs back for hunting cougars, bears, um, which is historically how you'd hunt those animals. Um, and Oregon banned it. Uh, through the voters, I want to say in the early 90s, um, because of cruelty concerns. Um, but when they did it, the problem is we still hunt, dog, hunt with dogs in Oregon for cats and bears when needed um, because Oregon hires professional hunters with dogs to deal with problem animals or to deal with overpopulations. 
So, so what what is the cruelty argument <clears throat> for not using dogs to hunt cougars and bears? Um, so it's not one that I completely understand because I don't agree with it. Right, but, but that if you were to said, emulate but, it, but yeah, I mean, uh, you got to know I, the enemy, right? Or yeah, yeah, no. The... <laughs> I mean, I heard I've heard all kinds of crazy arguments, but um, you know, it's uh, driving fear into these animals as they're being chased and ran. You know, uh, only wanting to hunt the the, the big males, uh, which actually. Um, the dogs have a bias for hunting big males? No, no, the hunters do. So oh. one of the advantages as a hunter with a dog, now I've never done this before, but I've looked into the topic quite a bit. I'm quite interested in it, and I would definitely do it if it was legal in the state, um, is when you're hunting an animal, whether bear, cougar, deer, elk, whatever, um, typically you've got a specific target in mind, right? Um, most uh, ungulates, deer and elk, uh, you, you're you mainly hunt the males, right? And you do that because you can take more of the males and not negatively affect the population. Uh, the same is true with, with all other animals. Um, you kill a male and another male will come in and, and take care of that female, but, you know, in most cases, not always, but um, you kill females and you're killing generations worth of a reproductive capability. So, um, I see what you're saying. So the hunters want the big males because there's more meat. Is that right? That can definitely be part of it. My point is you can uh, successfully harvest more animals if you take the males, especially out of deer and elk herds, and not negatively affect the population as much. But aren't you... You're trying to maintain a population. But are you not say, suggesting that we actually need to reduce the cougar and bear population in yep. order to reach more of a... I mean, and that's probably a super complicated topic. What is the right... Oh yeah, population level, that, right? It's yeah. probably dynamic, right? Like it, it, a sta imagining that there's steady state populations that once we get there, we just hold. Like so that's the that's the goal of hunting, though, right? So in typical nature, without uh, man's um, involvement, you get these huge swings. So you'll have huge population bursts of predators, and the game animals will drop, and then the predators will die off because they don't have food, right. so they starve to death or whatever, get sick. And then the, the game animals come back, and usually they either overpopulate, eat all the food, and starve to death, or get diseased and, and die. And so you just end up with a cycle, and one chases the other. Right. The idea with hunting, or the goal with you know, kind of the conservation plan that we've set up in this country, is that we balance that a little bit. So we get to consume food, and we don't have starvation and, and disease running rampant throughout the country. Mm. I'm, I'm trying to decide whether, I mean, <laughs> that sounds like a big topic. It's um, a huge topic. <laughs> yep. But I guess the point being that, all right, so I, I see your point. So the, the re, there is some, I guess the concern with dogs would be that you could overhunt and then uh -oh. and then reduce the population like you know if everyone could use dogs next year all of a sudden there might be half the cougars or whatever so absolutely it's an effective way especially with cougars so there's there's a lot of bears killed in the spring season and even the fall season uh without dogs cougars are really 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 hard to manage population wise or to hunt successfully without a dog um where I was kind of going is, uh, especially with bears, but cougars as well, if you can tree a cat or a bear and you know it's got cubs, babies, then you can pass on that animal. If you're hunting an animal that's super wily, uh, most predators are very smart. Uh, they can smell you really well. They can hear you really well. Um, and you're trying to make a smart decision about what, when and what to shoot. That is extremely challenging if you know you have a very short amount of time, right? See an animal? Can I shoot it? Look. I, I've almost shot a sow with cubs myself. Uh, only by pure luck did I uh, realize there were cubs there before I shot her. Mm. Um, so I, I guess to, to bring that back to what I was trying to, what I was kind of suggesting, how, like, how, I guess how do you think that dogs could be appropriately used Oh, like, like they just... were before with quotas, right? So um, it almost, well, most tags in Oregon now aren't over the counter. 
And even if they were, you can do a quote over, over the counter, but most of them are draw. So early in the year, you submit a request to, to hunt an application for the animals you'd like to hunt and the places you'd like to hunt them. The state awards those tags by set quantities. <clears throat> if, the, if, if they think the population is too high, they might award more. If they yeah. think the population is too low, they might award less. Exactly. So do you th so I'm struggling to see a valid argument against well I, I I guess we I I just don't think we've mentioned a valid argument against using dogs yet. And that doesn't mean there isn't one. Mm -hmm. Do you do you know of one or do you not know of So to me there's not a valid argument. I would say the people I would struggle to believe there is anybody who supports hunting uh, or that so doesn't like the, the, the use of dogs and likes hunting, right? Like, I, I think they're kind of tied together. Sure. Right? There's no hunter that thinks you shouldn't be allowed to use dogs. And I don't think there's too many, no. It's basically just, oh, I don't like hunting, so I'm going to limit this tool as a, you know. Well, it's, it's just, I, I think it misinformation plays a lot of it, right? Like. Um, People, I believe people think that animals, many people think that animals are just like humans. They have all the same emotions and stuff. And, and I don't believe that, right? Like I have a dog, I love my dog, but I don't think that she thinks and ponders and contemplates things like I do, right? Um, and, even, and so I think a lot of people say, oh, this, the animal's so afraid and it's worried about its mom and all this stuff, right? And I, I just think that we play into that. And it's easy to get people who just don't understand the facts of how this works, you know, nature and how cruel it actually is. Uh, we, they, you know, these animals don't go to their homes and sit back on their couches and eat food, right? When, and even if they do, I think that argument is only potentially relevant if you're trying to make a vegetarian argument, right? Which I don't know much about that topic, so I won't. And mm -hmm. I don't know if you do, but I won't suggest we go there. I just suggest we assume we consider the person that buys meat at the store, but is against hunting. I don't, I imagine there's some of those people, right? Uh, absolutely. As many, most of those, most people in the state probably even that, that eat meat don't shoot it. But are, are they the people that are against hunting and against using dogs? Because then you're really being hypocritical, right? Because I would believe so. I think it's hard to make an argument that a wild animal is not happier and better m m that we wouldn't rather like, it's not more ethical to have wild animals that get hunted by a man and his dog and his gun or bow than having farm raised slave animals effectively. Right. That's somehow mm -hmm. more ethical. I, I agree that I, uh, not only do I, I, I think the animals that I hunt and eat are, better for me and lived a better life. Right. Better for you, better for the environment, better for, yeah, it's, it's pretty hard to make an argument against that. I think, um, well, sounds like, sounds like the, the hunting environment has slightly changed. Are you concerned about where it's going? Oh, absolutely. No. Um, you know, I think I would love to see a better balance. Do I think in the long term, it someday it'll balance itself out? Yeah. Um, my my biggest concern, honestly, not that it's not recoverable because there's many populations of animals throughout the country that have been worse off than they are today. In fact, most of them at one point have been worse off than they are today. Uh, it's more that not only do we have cultural changes that are kind of taking away from the hunting culture, uh, but also as as we have worse success cap and, and opportunity, it's really hard to recruit people. Right. So you, you take someone out hunting and they don't see an animal and they spent, you know, hundred bucks in tags and they maybe bought gear and they're all excited. How many years did they do that? Probably say, this is, this is a joke. So you're concerned that the community, the hunting community is diminishing and it's, it's like a cascading. Yep. Diminishing where it just, the more it diminishes, the faster it diminishes and, and eventually it might, be lost altogether. Absolutely. And you tie that to more complex regulations and stuff like that. And it's just for many people, it's impossible. If you don't know someone that can teach you, you could never pick it up and be successful without challenges. Right. Are there any, are there any, uh, 
obvious like what would be the most concerning thing if you imagine a child growing up in a world where there are no hunters is there anything that yeah jumps oh, for out? sure no i mean um in, unless you're a farmer or a hunter you probably don't even know how to prepare an animal to eat right so there's there's many skills that are going away that 50 years ago people hadn't knew not to mention it's not just skills but just an understanding of how that piece of meat got on your plate you know um i think it's pretty important personally that people understand what food is where right. it came from right even though our food comes from a factory a lot of times we still haven't figured out how to manufacture an elk burger no nope. <laughs> yep that's <laughs> actually an elk burger and not some synthetic fake yeah i right? mean like, if you took most people and just dropped them off in the middle of the woods somewhere even if they were lucky enough to find a half you know killed animal half eaten that they could take like some people would have no clue how to even approach it right right yeah and just yeah on a on a societal level that is uh it, disconnected is the word that comes to mind for me just imagining someone who has no idea that like burgers don't just aren't born in a plastic package yep um so i want to move on a little bit to kind of the the economy in hood river and like you're you have a technical career in hood river what's it like living in a small town that has some industry has some, like an engineering aerospace industry but still not the same obviously not nearly as many opportunities as a big city like what are the what are the hardest parts about uh maintaining and keeping that career uh you know alive and well yeah it's an interesting question um i feel pretty lucky because i was born and raised here uh, when i went to college i actually wasn't expecting to be able to come home and work right i thought i'd have to have to go to a big city or you know to to maintain a job in my career field so it's it's great to have the opportunity for sure um but you're right if i moved elsewhere you know seattle or california or you know probably many cities um there would be more varied opportunity um but i lo i love this place like right like the the mountains and the rivers and you know the ocean and uh it it's just there's there's no place like it to me right right so um, so you sacrifice op amount of uh variety mm -hmm. a little bit and quantity of jobs what do you feel like the quality of the opportunities is like here do you feel like it's better or on par with what you might find in a city or worse um so i think there are great places i really do uh, i think the challenge is you can probably go other places and make the same money and have lower cost of living um right uh hood river is not san francisco thank goodness as far as prices go right southern california as a whole is, is much more expensive than we are. Um, but we're catching up. <laughs> we're trying to, it seems like, um, you know, so that's a challenge, right? Especially with a family, more mouths to feed, less, less money to spread around. And, um, you know, but, uh, other than that, like, I think there's, there, there are very quality places to work. Um, there are quite a few opportunities available, even though there's only what half a dozen plus tech companies versus maybe dozens. Um, so I was talking to a buddy the other day and he was like, why are there so many engineers in Hood River? <laughs> and I think he was, he was more specifically referring to like our peer group are like 25 ish, like, like the people that we hang around. And my, my response was, I don't know that there's that many more like like graduates from Hood River that went into engineering or as, as it's actually just that, the engineers in Hood River are more social, so he interacts with them when he spends time here. Do you feel like there's a larger, like, and obviously we could just look this up, but it's more fun to speculate. <laughs> Do you feel like there there is a larger cohort of, like, technical graduates from the high school, obviously that went on to technical careers from the high school here? Um, yeah, I, I don't think so. Honestly, I feel like most of the engineers came from elsewhere. Um, you know, I, I don't know of anybody 
in my graduating class from Hood River that's working in the technical field. I know a couple people that are a class or two below me, um, but there's not a lot of like local Hood River High School guys that are now in the tech industry here in town, at least. Right. And I think um, you're like a gener almost a generation. We're something like 10 years apart or something. Yeah. And I think my generation, there's more of that. But I would still agree to, in a large part, it is a lot of people that move here, um, which which is interesting. And I think that's, I think from the business's perspective, that's that's the one thing that every every business, every engineering business in Hood River, is always complaining or or not complaining, but saying the hardest part is finding good employees. And Absolutely. I think I think it's also interesting that they it. We have a very almost um, spoiled workforce, I think. Um, As in locally or? Definitely locally. <laughs> and maybe beyond that. Um, like, and that, do you, have, do you have any thoughts there on why this workforce? Because there's, there's good jobs here, right? Which, yep. which that have decent salaries, they have great benefits, but then it's like, it's almost like people just expect that out of the gate and they're not willing to put it. It's almost like they think that they get to jump from school to that, as opposed to have, having to put in the dirty work and get their hands dirty and suck it up. And they just want to skip all that and go straight to the great fun job. Like, is that kind yeah. of your interpretation? Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, that's, it's partially because it's human nature and it's partially because no one talks about that middle piece, right? Like, oh, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to get out and get a great degree, right? No one talks about like, oh, I'm going to get out of college and I'm going to start working my butt off to like build my career and, you know, show people that I can do things and learn the stuff I didn't get in college, right? Like, I don't know about you, look back at your college, how much do you use for most of your four years of college in your day-to-day -day work, right? Like, right. It's... Um. Yeah, I mean bits and pieces, but yep. I think I think the thing I do use is learn. Really, what college teaches you is how to learn. Right. I think so. I think from that sense, I use it a lot. But but yeah, like as far as the practical stuff, most of it you learn on the job. Um. Yeah, but we've probably both worked with young engineers who think they know everything because they just graduated from college, right? I haven't had oh, that lucky. too much. Yeah, I've been pretty <laughs> lucky. Um, but there was something I was going to ask about. Um, what, oh, that's what it is. What's What do you see as the difference between the workforce or kind of that, that nature of the workforce and being spoiled now versus when you graduated from college? Um, like my generation's mindset versus yours. Yeah. So I, I think that's really interesting. Like, um, I, I think it's a generational thing, but I also think it's a regional thing. Like I do think hood river, the gorge ish area has some odd things that kind of blow my mind that, uh, and, and maybe have tightened up a little bit now in some places, but like, you know, in situ and old cloud cap. And I mean, yeah, our, our current, uh, job, like, the dog thing, like to me, that took a long time to get used to. Like people just think they like, bring their dog to work. Like, and I don't. It's cool. Like, I I like having a dog around. You know, I've got a dog, but personally, for me, like my dog's requires attention, and like I don't want that. I want to go to work and focus. So, you know, um, but there's just a lot of laid back, relaxed things that have been part of this industry. I think in this area for quite a while, and I think people kind of get used to a lot of that kind of stuff, and then it can become, especially for some people, hard to, like, understand the difference why one thing's okay, but something else isn't. But, you know, I just, I can do whatever. It's okay, you know. And, and sometimes it is, and, well, sometimes it isn't. But, you know. Um, so, so do you feel like there's more jobs available, like, than there were when you graduated? In oh, abs absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the reasons that maybe you've seen more people in your age group becoming engineers. Uh, so when I was in high school, 
there, I don't think there was an in-situ, right? Like 90s, mid, mid to late 90s, right? Um, yeah, if there was, it was tiny. Yeah. Right? And so like by the time you were in school, in high school, excuse me, um, you know, I think they'd already started probably some of the STEM stuff, right? Or some of the outreach stuff to help. Yeah. You know, and I think that's awesome. That's great. Um, and that'll definitely encourage more people to go into the technical field and understand that there's opportunities here. And just get people excited about fun, cool things, right? So, yeah, so I, I agree. There's definitely a lot more. Um, yeah, I think it's it'd be hard to, yeah, there's no way that you could argue that there's less opportunities now than there were in the 90s in engineering in Hood River. Um, I'm curious what advice you would give someone who's moving to Hood River looking for a job in the in the aero, the, the unmanned aerospace industry hmm. today? Yeah, it's good. Uh, good question. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I would remind people it's a small area. So your, your reputation matters, right? Um, and you know, do a good job and it'll stick with you. And, uh, the other thing is if you're moving here, make sure you know what you're getting into. Cause well, it might be a surprise, right? As someone who's actually hired and brought lots of people to the area, uh, lots of people, half dozen plus. Um, I've also tried to hire more than that. And <laughs> a lot of those people, once they had a job offer and really started looking seriously at the cost of living, said, yeah, maybe not. Um, is that is the cost of living one of the biggest barriers and one of the biggest things people yeah. don't like? Yep. No, I've had, I think, two different individuals from Arizona, uh, Tucson area that I tried to hire. Um, they just recently bought houses for you know, 170, small property, you know, shop, three bedroom plus house, oh, 170, you know, 190. And they look at that same house here and what are you talking, six, 700,000 now? And you're offering a, maybe a 15% increase in salary, maybe. And it's like, oh, that's, that's a no-go. Um, if you were to give, like, I mean, it's... It's hard to give advice, but if you were in their shoes, it's it's really once you've done it, once you live here and you figure out how to do it, it's really easy to value the quality of life. Absolutely. Right. Would you agree that it's pretty well worth like the cost of living here versus anywhere else that you could have a career like this? Yep. The cost of living is worth it because you're happy at the end of the day. Or or at least by the time you get home and come back next morning, most days you're happy because <laughs> because you've gotten to be outside. You've gotten to be yeah. close to your family because you don't have a, a hour long commute. Yep. Right. Would you agree that it's pretty hard for to say me? Most definitely. And, and I've definitely had this exact conversation with with prospective hires uh, or people that would be moving in. Just move. Yeah. Keep the mic. There we go. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, moving into the area like. Yeah, uh, there's pluses and minuses for sure. We've got beautiful mountains, uh, lakes, rivers, you know, mountain biking, kayaking, hunting, fishing, whatever, you know. If someone's a video gamer, it's really hard to sell them on that. But, you know, other than that, right, it just depends on the person and what they want, right? It's easier to sell a, 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 a young family that's got kids, you know, that want to get them outside and do things than, you know, some others, right? It just depends on what they like to do. Right. You know, what's their value? What about... In terms of the community itself and the town, the local politics, the police, the the social circle, the like, what would you say is are the biggest yellow or red flags that you might give someone a warning about? Like, hey, just, you know, you're going to want to be aware of these things before you move here. Hmm. Yeah, I don't really have many flags in those areas. Like, I, I think... Yeah, obviously I, I like the the area and uh you know i i wish and i i can't imagine that no one would say something similar to this no matter where they're at but like i i wish we had even better schools than we have i don't think we have bad schools uh i wish we had you know a, a little better staffed police departments right like i i know people who i went to school with slash you know kind of friends with buddies with whatever people in both the sheriffs and the and the city police departments, right? I think like many departments throughout the country, you know, they're slightly underfunded and probably usually underappreciated. Um, you know, uh 
Do you know many people on the police force personally here? Uh, yeah, three or four. Yep. And I guess what, yeah, I'd be curious to learn more about your, like, you know, what your feeling is about the police force yeah. and do they do a good job? Like, you know, do they do a good job? I know this yep. is super broad. I'm trying to figure out <laughs> how to, yeah. how to, how to fine tune it into things that areas that you might be more in tune with, but mm -hmm. is there anything about the local police force that's like you think is done really well or could be improved or. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, uh, so the sheriff's department does most of the search and rescue throughout the gorge. Um, and I think they do a great job with the amount of staffing and funding they have. Uh, my last job, I worked with them actually trying to get a camera system. Well, we actually installed and integrated a camera system onto their Super Cub uh, to try to help with search and rescue work. Um, but uh, That's pretty cool. Was that a... I, did you guys do that as like any... Like, was that a... Did you full? Did you charge them full board or did you give them a discount? Or? Freebie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. No, it was just... Uh, so that, uh, the, the last company I worked for, you know, we, we every year did some kind of giveaways, assistance programs, right. Um, wounded warrior project or whatever. And at some point they decided they wanted to try to do more locally. And so, yeah, the, the support team I was on, uh, that I ran, uh, helped with the integration and, and taking care of doing training and, you know, whatever support they needed to try to get them flying. Yeah, any idea if they're still using it? <clears throat> so they still have it. Uh, they've never <laughs> used it well, right? So this is this is one of the challenges. Um, the ex sheriff flies for the for them mostly. There's a couple other volunteer guys, but uh, getting people trained up on operating of a camera system is is somewhat complex. And the way that they do most of their search and rescue, the guy flies low to the treetops kind of banks the, the plane and looks out the window, right? Mm. And that's not very conducive to the way you'd use a camera. So one, one of these cameras. These are these super long-range cameras, basically. Yeah, I mean, right? we're trying that's to get him to fly at two to 4,000 feet. Yeah. And he's wanting to fly at, you know, 75 feet. <laughs> mm. So... Um, and so it's, it, it's really... It's one thing to get them integrated. It's another thing to train them on how to run their business now that they have this new tool right yep, that's kinda... absolutely yeah no because it's just a complete change in philosophy of how you do things right right um so which and they probably don't have a whole ton of time to go fly their helicopter around for fun and do testing it's there's a life on the line and they're out flying and they're not just going to go tr try different shit well thank goodness right? it's an airplane and not a helicopter because it's a little more affordable oh, yeah, but yes it's cup. still yeah. it's still super expensive to go fly right yeah uh, and it takes volunteers' time. So the the guy that does most of the flights, uh, Wamper, he he's I think he's a complete volunteer. Like he's an ex sheriff, he's retired. Um, most of the other pilots that I've met with up there that fly that same bird or orchardists or fire department guys or whatever, you know. Um, so they're all volunteer assistants. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we met with them probably three to four times over the course of a couple of years. And you did some retrainings and did some updates and tweak their systems here and there. But yeah, it's a commitment for all those guys to, to learn and get up to speed. But uh, I recently ran into someone uh, at the police department. It sounds like they're making some changes and hoping to uh, get that system up and running and actually utilize that camera a little more. So I think that'd be great. Mm. Um, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, what about things that you're not, so excited about with the local police force anything that you're willing to say on record yeah i mean uh nothing specifically to the guys actually i have no problems with them um you know since i stopped being a dumb kid and doing crazy stuff like a no run-ins so <laughs> thumbs up you know but uh I, I think honestly they're all good guys and they're working hard trying to do the right thing and uh -huh. you know i appreciate that like i said um do you feel like they get the the appreciation they deserve from the local community? Um, probably not. I don't, I don't think this is a horrible place for cops to be, right? Like, I don't think they're treated as poorly as in many bigger areas. Um, but, uh, and they have a hard job, you know? So do you uh, think the cops around here are, are like scared for their life very often? Uh, I would hope not. I mean, we, we really are, uh, pretty mild town, um, but there's some crazy crap that happens. So I'm sure at times they are absolutely right. right. I would um, yeah, I'd, it's pretty. It's gonna happen, but I would also think it'd be less often than in most 
other places. Yep. If you have to be a cop, Hood River's probably not an awful place to do it, right? The scary part is, like, you're never going to walk up on, on a traffic stop and something bad's going to go down, you know? Right. So. So back to back to that the question a few minutes ago about what yellow or red lights. What about, like, the overwhelming amount of people that come here in the summer? Uh, most definitely. You, you see that as a, is, is that a nuisance to you? Is there a bunch of hippies in their vans sleeping on all the streets? Like, is there anything there that's really bothersome or is it kind of just, yeah, whatever? I, I guess I'm just used to it at this point, right? Like, so first Fridays, I, I avoid downtown, you know, uh, I, I, I don't mind the tourists, uh, but it, it makes things less convenient, right? Like the flow has changed and blocked roads and slower traffic and heck driving west through downtown in the in the sun when it's setting like you can't see anything anyway right so right um but yeah i just i've just learned how to deal with uh what i like and and avoid places at times and but no it gets pretty wild sometimes for sure uh, there's a ton of tourism and the good news is you normally only have about five minutes of driving through it and then you're out of it, or you got to your destination. Yes, right? rush, rush Minute in Hood River is, is really bad. <laughs> rush Minute. <laughs> it literally is Rush Minute. Um, uh, what about public transportation? Do you feel like, or, or I guess, what, what do you think would be the ways that it could be improved? Like, going forward, if, if Hood River, if more low-income housing does get built, like a lot of people are pushing for, that means more people. And in this country, that means more cars. Mm-hmm. Do you think... There's like, do you have any suggestions on how that could be improved or are we just screwed? <laughs> Let's hope that's not the case. Okay. Um, there's got to be ways to improve it. I'll be honest. I've never needed to use public transportation. Like, well, I guess in school, maybe I rode the school bus sometimes, but um, so like, I'm not an expert on that subject by any means. In fact, I'm probably pretty ignorant. Um, but, uh, you know, there's obviously much more availability now with the cat system than there was historically, but it was pretty small. Um, you know, so getting around obviously isn't that hard, but if you don't have a car, I mean, what's it, you know, from, from Walmart to Rosars is probably a 15 minute walk, right? Um, yep. So unless you're needing to transfer, you know, into the upper Valley or something like that, uh, just local in town is probably not a huge deal, but I don't know. Like, I think that's one of the things that surprises me because I've used the public transit a little bit, like mainly going to the airport. Okay, yeah. And then also sometimes when I go, when I need to get some work done on my truck, I'll drive up and then take the bus back. And then when it's ready, I'll take the bus up there. And every time I've used it, it is, for one, it's empty. There's no one on it. Yeah. For two, it's it's relatively quick. It might take a minute or two longer on my 10-minute. And you got it. You got, like, it is a nuisance cause, or, or more work because you got to figure out where it's going to be. But it is a bit surprising. I mean, I, I totally get it because I drive my car everywhere. But I don't know. It, it is a bit surprising that our culture is so automobile driven and everyone, even, even people that supposedly don't have enough money to, to move to hood river or to like have kids or, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that'll tell you, I just don't have the money to do X, Y, or Z. And especially if you live in town, I think a lot of people could get away with just having one car as a family or, or use public transit a lot more. Um, yeah, it's all priorities, right? Like, I think we would all like more money and we would all do more things or have more things if we had more money. But in the end, a lot of the, the, I don't have the money is, is a prioritization issue. Right. Right. But it does beg the question, what value does, like, what problem is the public transit actually solving for you? Yeah. And if it, if it slows down your morning by an extra 10 or 15 minutes, and you might actually miss it, right? It's like, yeah, it's all of a sudden your day just got way more complicated. And in fact, maybe it's more of a Uber type model that you know, in a in a perfect world, would potentially solve that desire to not own a vehicle, but to still have the 
the luxury of of like of having a private vehicle yeah yeah no it's it's not something i even contemplated much to be honest like i guess i knew you could catch a bus to the airport but i've never even like considered that as an option you can um, catch a bus to the airport you can catch a bus to the dalles hmm. you can catch a bus to white salmon okay you can catch a bus to mount hood in this in the winter yeah i think and i think that same bus goes up through parkdale um well it must go through there but i think you can get off like okay it is impressive the network that the cat system the columbia area transit has yeah but there's never anyone it's using it. It's always like to the to the airport. It's like a private bus. There's maybe two people on it. Does that seem viable? Right. I, there's no way there. Because what there's you're saying. No way. Yeah, and it's I understand it's super cheap, right? That's yeah, yeah. It's for a yeah. It's I think for a well. I'm pretty sure for the the one that just lets you go to the oh my, ah, sorry no I sound like I'm talking over myself. But I'm pretty sure for a year pass, it's $40, which like... That's like half a tank of gas. That's, yeah, half a tank <laughs> of gas. That's that's one... No, that's like four days parked at the PDX economy parking lot. That's, right, that's yeah. like... Yeah. The funny thing is, though, you get to the, the TriMet. It takes you to the TriMet transfer station. Uh-huh. Then you have to take a 10-minute ride on the light rail. And that costs two dollars okay. for the day, but if you want to buy a year pass of the TriMet, it's eleven hundred dollars for an adult. Holy mackerel! I looked. I thought about it. The I was like, wow, I've spent two dollars a few times now. I wonder, it is, and for me, it's absolutely not worth it. And I imagine mm-hmm. for most people, yeah, that's pretty wild. But it, it's interesting because it's it's like we we tend to think of public transit as this good thing and i i think it would be good for our society for our country if people got better at using public transit which requires better public transit mm-hmm. but here we have this like pretty dang good system that's like not utilized at all yeah and that's kind of like it's it's all it's like I don't know. That's really interesting to me because I just got to imagine that there's people out there. Maybe they don't live in Hood River, but there's got to be someone somewhere that if they realize the life that they could live with, with all the the beauty in this town, the jobs in this town, but they don't have the money to buy a car, which is required. They might think that's required right now. They live in the city, but you know, if, if they knew about the bus system, that's like a huge positive that I think, people that that like i guess the people that that brings value to don't live here or that's a very small portion of the population most people here already own a vehicle or two yeah and and i would think think most people that are moving here for a job are probably moving here for a job that would allow them to afford a car too right right probably but i also think a lot of people would tell you it's too expensive to move here Oh, for sure. Right. Yeah, but, but but I guess you're. I mean, yeah. to me, a car is cheap compared to the price of living here, right? Like, I just saw a long-term rental advertised on the local GorgeNet, right? Thirty-two hundred dollars a month for a house. So, like, that's a car. Like, that's more than I paid for the car that I bought for my kids to drive. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, there, there's all. Yeah, I totally. <laughs> Point taken. So we can move on to housing now. Great. <laughs> um, what do you see as the right way to improve the housing situation in Hood River? And I don't know. I, I think it's a challenging situation, but I don't know how to do you resolve think it appropriately. Do you think it's to remove regulations on short-term rentals and housing in general? I don't know how that changes stuff. Honestly, I think if you remove short-term rental regulation, it would be harder to have residential availability right i'm i'm playing devil's Mm -hmm. advocate for like or or do you because because i'm i think both of us tend to bias towards removing regulation Mm -hmm. but in this case i think the regulation on short-term housing is probably doing a good thing although i'm open to an argument against it but like you know if 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 all of you know I think most short-term rentals are highly occupied. And if there was more short-term rentals, 
there would just be even less housing for the people that actually live here. So I agree with that, and I do think there should be a balance. But I, I absolutely am regulation for necessity, not for um, general purpose, right? Like, I, I am buying my house, and I bought my house in a location that I felt like was the least likely to have people tell me what to do with my house, right? Um, the idea of someone coming by and telling me, oh, your grass is an inch high. You, 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 you got to get that motor. We're going to, you know, that kind of stuff just blows my mind. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I have lived almost my entire life in Hood River, and the price of property here is insanely skyrocketed, right? Like, my dad could have bought a house on acreage for $15,000 when I was born. And that same place now would be worth multi-millions, right? So it's just, it's mind-blowing the change. And I don't know how to, how to deal with it appropriately. Um, it's kind of a supply and demand thing. And you're only going to put so many houses in Hood River, right? It's a little valley. but uh, Are you concerned that your kids or their, their generation won't be able to come home because prices are too high? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean... I think if I hadn't have bought my house when I did, I'd probably be on the border of being pushed out too. I mean, it feels like unless you're a, a dual income professionals uh, type income, moving here and, and buying a house is outrageous. Um, you know, luckily I bought mine when I did. I couldn't afford it today. So is that is that a concern enough to to make you in, feel invested in wanting to look into it and, and see what options are out there? Or have you kind of just written it off as something that you can't affect? I mostly don't know that I have any effect on it. Um, yeah, I just, I, I don't, I don't understand or have not figured out a way from in my mind, how you change that without changing the whole market. Right. Uh, I don't know that removing short-term rentals completely would affect it. Um, but I don't, I don't pay attention really to the downtown area. And, and then there's the problem of if you remove all short-term rentals, then does that depress the economy and the business that the people that come to those short-term rentals bring to to local businesses and commerce. Absolutely. Which then supports the jobs of the people that do live here, right? Like they're, yeah. there's, there's an argument for both. I think the only thing that's an absolute is there's not enough houses here. More people want to live here than can live here. Right. Absolutely. And I also, th I wonder if part of it is it's, it's almost like there needs to be, it, it, well, it, it seems like more people want to live here, more people want to visit than want to live here because we have long-term jobs open that can't be filled, right? True. Like, is it, yeah, I just don't know if that's exactly the reason, though, right? Um, it's a good question, though. Yeah, it is a good question. A very difficult one. Um <laughs> Do you have much interaction with contractors in Hood River? I've tried. <laughs> How's that gone? Uh, horribly. Um, there are definitely a shortage, in my opinion, of, of um, contractors or availability, or at least um, the ones that are here have enough good work. They don't want to do other work. Uh, I had a debt collapse last winter in a snowstorm. Other than my neighbor who is a contractor, I couldn't get a single person to show up to give me an estimate for a repair. Mm. Uh, right? Um, so even people I knew, in fact. Mm. <laughs> why do you think that is? Uh, they all had jobs, you know, building multi-million dollar houses or whatever. And, you know, doing a twenty, thirty thousand dollar deck wasn't that exciting. It's almost like someone who's thinking about what career to start and they want to live in hood river it's like just start a contracting career yeah and you'll never run out of business in hood river right because the demand is just absolutely so much bigger yeah most of our contractors don't even work in the winter time <laughs> i'm serious a lot yeah. of, well, no, i shouldn't say most i just know a lot that don't 
So other than just doing the work yourself, is there any solution that you've found for solving that problem of working with contractors and uh, not? Uh, so I had a, a similar issue a couple of years ago where I lost my gutters in a snowstorm. They ripped off my house and I actually had to find a guy in Portland to come do it. Mm. Um, so I and paid a guy's work? travel. Yeah, worked fine. And yep. you probably ended up paying similar to what you would have had to pay someone from here. I think right? he was cheaper. Well, there you go. Yeah, I mean, but it just seems weird, right? Yeah, we we live in a local literary. We'd like to, you know, pay people to have people do stuff here. And but yeah, no, it's uh, that sure. was that was my solution, and it worked out okay. Huh, that's a really interesting idea. I hadn't I hadn't even considered that. The only idea I had thought of was kind of staging the projects that you need done and saying we have three phases that we need done if phase one goes well we move to phase two if phase two will it goes well we moved so you incentivize them to get the project done as mm -hmm. opposed to just you know giving like getting the job and then and then taking on other jobs as they go and not actually finishing yeah your my job. problem was is they wouldn't even estimate the the time or materials cost to do my job mm. and they wouldn't even show up well that's why phase yeah. two and three need to be really big <laughs> <laughs> to give oh, them yeah, little... we're gonna replace this house after you do the deck <laughs> yeah give, give them a little bit of their own medicine right <laughs> yeah i don't know it's it's definitely an interesting situation um I, I will be repairing my own deck in the spring. Yes. Mm. <laughs> okay. Well, I think I think that was really insightful. Um, we we dove into a little bit of the things that I thought we might, but we also dove a lot into the the hunting landscape, and that was really interesting. Um, and I think we also learned that there's a lot going. It, it's it's the the classic issue that I've run into on this podcast when I, I try and learn about the world and people's perspective. It's, it's all so much more complicated and surely there's every, everyone has a piece to the puzzle, right? But it's about putting the puzzle pieces together to build a picture that actually is somewhat close to representing reality as opposed to having this map that is just, throwing you off it seems like there aren't easy problems and there aren't easy solutions and when we try to simplify things they get worse i think in an an easy solution i think becoming a contractor i think that's what i would do if so I with didn't. the gutters i found out at that time there was one person in all of hood river county that did gutters really yeah and uh he had a two and a half year backlog i i, I actually Went to school with his son, finally got him on the phone, and he just told me, man, I'm not fitting jobs anymore. I I got too much work. That's <laughs> that's interesting. Like like next to where we work, yep. the window washing company. I swear they've bought a new whatever those are they they, they're F three fifties or whatever. They bought a new truck every month. Now they have five of those things decked out with all sorts of window washing equipment. Like it's like those type of jobs, like, yeah, but it, it does take, they're not the kind of jobs where, you know, like, like they don't need that. They have the employees they have for the, for the most part, or maybe I guess like con contractors a lot of times are just, they're just, they're just a contractor, right? They're not a construction crew where there's, where they have employees and they're managing people. And that's the thing. It's it's a lot easier just to, or, or it gets harder once you try and employ people. But to the person that is just looking for a job to be an employee, they look at the the contracting uh, industry and they say, "Oh, there's no jobs." But if they look at it from the founder perspective of, "Oh, I want to start a business," there's tons of work to be done. Yeah, and. I think that's that's kind of probably one of the barriers for most people is the daunting idea of starting their own quote unquote business. I think there's that and I think there's capital, right? Like you don't just start a business for nothing. So, you know, those guys have those, like you said, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollar trucks. I don't know, maybe more. Um, but you know, contractor's gonna need a truck or two, he's gonna need a bunch of tools, sure. insurance, you know. That said, if you're willing to work hard. There's a ton, I bet there's a ton of contractors and job sites in this town that'll give you a hammer and let you start 
building your way up and pretty quickly you'll be you'll you start acquiring tools and mm -hmm. like i've seen a lot of friends go through that where they start being given tools or they buy their own tools as they go and they're getting paid along the way and and before they know it they're a fully self sufficient yeah, contractor for sure you can build up that way absolutely which i th i think is really cool cuz in a lot of industries you can't just like you can't grow into oh now i can go off and run my own business and you didn't have to go to school. Yep. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. That was great. Yeah. And uh, thanks to you guys for tuning in to the Mean Mind podcast. We appreciate your support. And we look forward to tuning in with you guys next time. Be well.